On September 11th, 2001, our American way of life was attacked. Everyone remembers where they were that day and how their lives changed from that moment on. The American Legion is committed to honoring the memories of those we lost on 9-11 and in the global war on terrorism that followed. As part of that commitment, the American Legion Tango Alpha Lima podcast presents a special series, 9-11-2020. 20 episodes in the 20 days leading up to the 20th anniversary of the attacks that changed the world. Each of the 20 guests delivers a unique first-hand perspective on 9-11 and our nation's response. Here is one of those remarkable stories. All right, we are joined today by Jessica Lynch, and I will say that this is the first time I've seen a guest name on the thing, and I was like, ooh, I got to tell everybody I know that I'm talking to Jessica Lynch today. So we are super excited to have you here today, Jessica. Jessica is a former Private First Class in the United States Army and a former prisoner of war. On March 23rd, 2003, she was injured and captured by Iraqi forces after her unit was ambushed in Iraq. I can't imagine anyone listening to the show doesn't know your background, but uh, she was rescued after nine days in captivity on April 1, 2003 by U.S. Special Operations Forces. And Jessica's rescue was the first successful rescue of an American POW since World War II. She's been awarded the Bronze Star, the Purple Heart, and the Prisoner of War medals. Today, Jessica speaks to various groups around the United States about overcoming her obstacles and how perseverance helped her survive. Jessica further explains that despite the most difficult circumstances, whatever they might be, a positive outlook and determination can truly help individuals live fulfilling lives and accomplish their goals. She's a motivational speaker, she's a mother, and she's an educator. I also know that you have written a book and you have a movie out, so you kind of have the uh, full spectrum of everything. So Jessica, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, like I said, I was super excited. I even told my wife, I was like, we got Jessica Lynch. She's like, no way. And I was like, yeah, like our first bonafide celebrity here. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Honestly, I, it is such an honor to be with you guys. I mean, I look a little bit different. I have black hair now or dark brown, I guess, than my usual blonde. But um, yeah, I, I'm happy to, to be here and, and I'm so blessed. Yeah, when you first came on, I was, gonna, I was saying, you know, I, of all the stories I read this morning, I don't ever remember you having red or dark hair. And I was like, oh, so there you go. <laughs> no, all right. just, uh, just a change, but thank you. There you go. All right. So, you know, without, you don't need to go too far into it, but tell us a little bit about your, your experience in the military and what you went through and and the perseverance thing is the thing. And I, I openly state, I've never seen anyone who has been handed a bigger pile of crap in their entire life and still handled it as perfectly as I think you did. And I absolute sincerity, I think you got a raw stick in terms of everything the media portrayed and every single interview I've seen with you, you're totally upbeat and great. So super excited to have you, but we wanted to kind of hear the story from your own, from your own mouth as it were. Yeah, absolutely. So Actually, I had joined the military. So I graduated high school in May of 2001. And leaving high school, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to be when I kind of grew up. I knew everything, like I had the whole plan laid out. And for me, that was going to be a kindergarten teacher, just like my very own a kindergarten teacher who was my role model. So from the age of five years old, 
I kept telling her, like, I just want to be like you when I grow up. Um, so that never changed. I uh, turned, you know, I guess, 18. And, and after that, I had been accepted into this education program. So I never really gave military a thought. Like, it was always in my mind that I was going to, to be an educator. And so that summer of 2001, my brother, who is about a year older than I am, and my sister is about a year and a half younger. And yeah, we were um, home that summer and just kind of sitting around our dinner table and in walks a, a recruiter and <laughs> onto our property. So of course, you know, I'm from West Virginia, the country, so nobody comes to visit you unless you know that they are there. Like we are just out in the boonies. And so we kind of all looked at each other, was like, yeah, I didn't invite anyone. Do you know who this is? It was a strange car. But as soon as he got out of the the vehicle and you know, he kind of walked in that stance and we knew automatically that this was a recruiter just by the way that, you know, he was holding himself and uh, so he approached us and he got to talking to us about how, you know, if we joined the military, I could get my education paid for and travel the world. And you guys know the whole spiel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we kind of just sat there and, uh, you know, kind of thought it over. And of course, again, this was the summer of 2001. So 9-11 had not happened. Um, so, you know, the more we kind of considered it, it was a great opportunity for us. Um, again, growing up in West Virginia, we didn't have a, a lot of, you know, money. We didn't have that means to put all three of us into college at the same time. So it was the way that, you know, we decided that my brother and I um, were going to join together. And then once my sister graduated, she would, would follow suit. But I, yeah, I mean, it was the way that we wanted to be able to, you know, take that kind of financial burden off of our parents. Um, so next thing I know, uh, July kind of rolls around and my brother and I are standing there taking, taking the oath. And he left in August of 2001 for basic training. And then I was to leave September of 2001. So of course, Everything happens with 9-11. And at that point, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I had not left for basic training yet. I was to leave. Well, I did leave, I guess I should say, for basic training on September 19th. So about a week later. Um, so at that point, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't know what to expect because basically, you know, our world had just kind of turned upside down. And um, I knew, though, that I wasn't going to back out. <laughs> But it was something that I was very hesitant and scared about. I'm kind of like every other new recruit that was, uh, you know, about to go into basic training. And, you know, I, I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. But, yeah, um, so that's kind of how everything with me started right there around 9-11. Uh, and, of course, I made it through basic training just fine. But, yeah, I, there was times where I was, I was scared and I was nervous even after the fact of getting into basic training and not just that kind of week surrounding leading up to basic. Now, did your, your brother also go into the same unit as you or was he? No. So yeah, he no, he um, actually went into, um, I think it was like helicopter mechanics 
some, <laughs> I don't know what the MOS for that was, but that was uh, kind of what he went into. And so, yeah, he left in August and then, um, and then I followed, but I was 92 Yankee, which is supply. Yep. So I went quartermaster and then, uh, but he, um, actually ended up, I think it was Fort Bragg when everything had occurred to me and they actually allowed him some leave time to come home to be with me and um, just uh, to be with our family at that craziness time, the chaos that had kind of circulated, uh, not only with the media, but, you know, just kind of the healing aspect of, of me. Yeah. So you were, were you at Walter Reed or where, where did they bring you back to? Yes, correct. So I stayed in Germany um, for, I think it was approximately 11, 12 days, uh, just because my back had been broken. Um, and then my right arm was snapped. So I had to have a rod put in that, uh, the cage put in my back. My femur bone, Iraqis actually removed, surgically removed that. Mm -hmm. So uh, once I got to Germany, that was one of the first things uh, that they did was actually removed that um, unsterilized rod, took it out because it had uh, caused such a severe infection to set throughout my leg that they were thinking about, you know, that they were going to actually have to amputate it uh, to, to kind of save it. But Thankfully, they were able to, to remove that and uh, replace it with a new rod. And then my left tibia uh, was also broken. So there's a rod there. And then my right foot was kind of crushed. Uh, so they had to fuse that. And then there's pens, rods, and screws uh, placed inside of that. So everything with everything, I guess, is where I'm getting at. Um, with all the healing, or not, I guess healing, but the uh, surgeries that they had to go in and kind of get me stabilized. Uh, so I had to stay in Germany until uh, I was to the point where I would be able to safely fly back to Walter Reed. And then I stayed in Walter Reed, I think it was for about four months. And uh, while I continued with more surgeries and then just, you know, the healing aspect and you know, the external fixator, I had one of those on and, you know, not only that, but where the back was broke, I had to learn how to walk again. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole ordeal. So yes, I was, I was at Walter Reed. When, uh, it was, what, about two years ago now, I think when a friend of mine received the Medal of Honor for Iraq and uh, David Bellavia, and when I was actually at the ceremony later that night, after many, many adult beverages that we were all consuming, I ended up in a hotel room with a, with a Marine and another Medal of Honor recipient. And they had both been involved in the operation uh, to go and get you out. And it was crazy to see them sort of acting out the phase line with like flip flops. And it was like three in the morning and they're like, and then we came here and we came here. What, what was the experience for you? I mean, you'd gone through all this turmoil and then all of a sudden, boom, there's Americans there. What was like that? And, and you had to be in a lot of pain and it was probably pretty surreal, but what was the experience like when they showed up? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, actually, I got to the point, I mean, because I was the only American from my unit or well, only American at all that was uh, captured and 
was held in that uh, location. And of course they did, they moved me around. Um, like I remember even one point they took me to like this abandoned building and just kind of, you know, put me in there and left me. So I was scared. I was nervous of any kind of noises, any kind of gunshots, um, anything that, um, I mean, basically just kind of wasn't quiet. <laughs> Yeah. It scared me. I didn't know, you know, what I was, I didn't know what to expect or what to do. But that night that the uh, American forces were able to come in, I remember being kind of locked in this little tiny um, hospital room. And I could hear kind of all the diversion tactics and, you know, the, the gunshots outside and the Humvees and the helicopters and, you know, noises, chaos that I had not heard. So all of that just kind of hyped up that fear that was already inside of me um, because I knew that I wasn't able to move you know, because of the back being broken, well, actually all of the injuries altogether, I was not able to sit up. I wasn't able to obviously stand or, you know, so I was kind of basically just laying on this bed. But I remember, you know, hearing all the noise that was happening outside of the room. And when I could hear one of them yell, you know, like, where was private lunch? that's kind of really where it hit me that I was kind of, I was their target, whether this was going to be good or bad. I was hoping that it was Americans, especially since it was in English. And, you know, for the past nine days, I wasn't able to, to communicate with, with these Iraqis that were kind of guarding me. So to be able to hear plain English, but to hear my name, I think that's what kind of really uh, elevated and, and heightened that fear because I knew that I was going to be their target. I just didn't know how many or what was actually happening. So when they walked inside of the room, it was just, it was just pure chaos. Um, and there is a actual rescue video. And if you look it up on YouTube, it's Jessica Lynch rescue video. And there's about like a five, six minute uh, detail of the entire thing that is, is definitely worth watching if, if, uh, if you guys want to put that out there. But um, yeah, I just remember just chaos that everyone was kind of rushing around uh, uh, me, you know, checking everything. But I, I, Clear as day, remember, um, I remember this one guy coming up and standing beside me and he ripped the American flag off of his uniform and, and placed it in my hand. And um, yeah, he said, we're, we're Americans and we're here to take you home. And that is something that I will never forget. And as um, I guess is relieved and scared as I was, it was such a, it was such a wonderful feeling to know that I was surrounded by people that, that were going to get me home so that I could see my family again. So, yeah, I just, I remember looking up at him and, and saying, yeah, I'm an American soldier too. And, you know, again, all of the uh, chaos kind of 
intel and they they whisked me out of there and was able to to load me up onto a helicopter and and you know get me to kuwait and then went to to germany i wish we had about 20 hours to talk to you because i got about <laughs> 17 follow-up questions but we'll give it over to ashley for now ashley you're up wow um yeah when i when i found out you were going to be on the show i i was just in awe i remember so I, I was i was pretty young when 9 11 happened so i think i was maybe 11 or 12 when i heard about your story jessica and aside from the attacks of 9 11 yours is the first story that i can like from a, like an early like memory as a like a, as a young like preteen of of like what was going on in the other side of the country right like you know other side of the world excuse me and I remember hearing your story and I was just so, I was so awestruck. And I remember thinking how, how brave and how, how scared you may have been and how just, how terrified, you know, just, I, I'm overcome with emotions right now. So you have to excuse me. Um, I just, I'm really glad you're on the show. Mark, you want to ask one of your follow-up questions? I'm kind of emotional right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think part of, part of what I like most about your story is that you stayed true to who you are and you stayed true to the other people that you've served with. And, and I, I know you had named your daughter uh, after Lori. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how important that was to you to, to kind of come out of this traumatic experience and go back and sort of in the Saving Private Ryan sort of nomenclature to make it worth everything that had happened? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I guess kind of just step back. I mean, those first, like probably even first few years after I, I came home, I mean, again, the, the media was crazy. Uh, they made, you know, these fabricated stories that, that were circulating everywhere. So one of the first things that I knew that I had to do was just tell the, tell the story about exactly what had happened, just because there was so many, there were so many stories that were, that were being told that nobody knew exactly what had happened. Um, so that was, that was so important to me to be able to give credit to the ones who actually, you know, deserve the credit because I, I wasn't, I'm not that type of person. Like it would have been so easy for me to kind of go along with, with any story that they had put out there, but that wasn't, that wasn't something that I stood for or, um, you know, could live with, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was just um, that honor, integrity and, you know, coming back out of the, the whirlwind of that and then, you know, being able to a few years later to have my daughter and, you know, with all of the injuries that I sustained, um, because I, I look fine, but internally, um, you know, underneath of, of, of my clothes, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of a broken soldier and I will be for the rest of my life. But like you said, it's how you come about and you make, um, bad situations good. And that's something that I knew that I had to do. So when I found out um, that we were having a little girl, you know, it was so important to me to be able to, to not only kind of honor Lori in such a way, but 
you know, just have that, I don't know, kind of reminder that Lori is always, always with us. And, you know, we took her out to, or my daughter, we took her out to um, Phoenix, Arizona, and they were able to, to give her a Hopi name. So, you know, not only was I able to kind of name her after Lori, but then, you know, the, the Hopi Indian tribe was able to come together and, and also do a ceremony to, to recognize and accept her as one of, one of their own um, in honor of Lori. So, yeah, I mean, it was just little things like that, that I knew, you know, it was all going to be okay. I mean, it was going to take me a while, but everything was going to be kind of worth it in the end. And now, you know, we're 18 years later, which is crazy to me that it has been 18 years. But um, yeah, like you said, I just take, take it day by day and persevere. I mean, no matter what obstacle or struggle or, you know, anything that I am facing, I tackle it by just, you know, never giving up and, and keeping that never give up attitude, no matter, no matter what it is. I also love the Hopi. I, when I went to the Grand Canyon a couple of years ago, they had Hopi medicine men that came out and it was great. But Jeff, you are up, my friend. Uh, good. Hello, Jessica. Lovely to meet you. I, if you looked in my uh, browser search history this morning, you would find your name. And I would like to say it was because I was doing deep research. But what it really was is like Mark, I didn't actually believe you're on the show. I was like, who, who else has this name? I want I have to figure out like, so I don't ask dumb questions. I thought it was somebody else. So uh, I'm also super excited that you're here. Uh, I'm going to, because that was the longest that I've ever stayed silent. So I'm going to make a couple of <laughs> points before my uh, question. If the Marine Corps hadn't taken away my tear ducts upon boot camp, when you told that ripping the flag and giving it to you story, I might have teared up myself because that is, and I, I'm in Hollywood right now, so that's, that is a movie moment. And I 100% get why that is such a, a burned in image for you. Uh, that's amazing. And then my second, my last little observation from what you said. I feel so inadequate because I was scared to go to boot camp because someone made me watch Full Metal Jacket. That's all it took. I just watched Full Metal Jacket and I was like, I've made a huge mistake. I, uh, you, on the other hand, saw one of the most significant tragedies this country has ever known and had to go to boot camp a week later. I, I don't, I don't know if if people really understand the significance of of having an experience and then being catapulted into that experience and you were catapulted into that experience in ways that even though I'm talking about it I will never be able to articulate it. And you are doing that on the regular as a motivational speaker. So now I'm getting to my point. You through all of this, you speak of everything, you speak of horrible things, horrible things that happened in the country, horrible things that happened to you, horrible things that happened to the way people were treated that were with you, but you do always stay upbeat. You know, I, I, now I'm curious about what was going on with Jessica Lynch 
internally uh, during those nine days, if it helped, if you think it helped you to survive and recover, and how are you translating that into bettering people's lives now with the work that you're doing? Uh, that's, that's, that's why I woke up this morning was to ask you that question. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's a really good question. So during uh, the nine days, I knew that my body was basically kind of deteriorating. Let's, let's just put it the way it is. Um, I was only about 100 pounds back then. <laughs> I mean, obviously a little bit more now, but, <laughs> um, but, but back then I was about 100 pounds. Uh, 19 years old. And then throw on top of that, you know, I was the only survivor that had, um, I guess, survived that uh, ambush, I mean, the, the Humvee inside of the Humvee. So um, obviously, Lori, Lori didn't make it. And then the three men that were sitting there beside me were all shot and killed. So being the only survivor and not knowing what happened to anybody else in my unit. I just knew that when I came to, because they had, um, you know, I was knocked unconscious. So when I awoke and I was laying there on that bed, but, you know, opening my eyes for the very first time and seeing these three Iraqi men standing over top of me, that's, something else that I will never forget. It's not as, I guess, a vivid picture as the one that I will never forget with the, with the guy, you know, handing me the flag, but that is something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And I, and I, it's something that I just can't, you know, unsee, but, you know, being there alone, Again, 19 years old, I'm about 100 pounds. I, you know, again, the injuries, I couldn't move. And then on top of that, not being fed or having water, the only thing that I was given during those nine days is about a four ounce um, cup of orange juice. And so when I was rescued, uh, they estimated that I weighed around 76 you know, 77 pounds. So being 19 years old, that is, that is not, that wasn't healthy. Um, so obviously, you know, I was in great deal of pain, but um, then just, you know, again, add on top of, of, you know, the frail state that I was in, I could literally feel, I could literally feel each day that I wasn't going to survive the next. Like I just, I kept kind of not losing hope because that's the only thing that kind of helped kept me going, but it was just something, you know, like your body just kind of can't go on any longer. So it was more mental. Like I just, I kept telling myself, you've got to, you got to hang in, you got to, you got to keep going. Um, so it was just something inside of me that, again, that perseverance, that never give up attitude that I just kept holding on to and, and thinking, you know, I just need to see my family. I just want to, you know, find out what happened to my comrades. So there was just things that, you know, and as little or, you know, 
microscopic as it, it seems, it was such a big deal to me was just holding on to any hope that, that I could. So that's kind of where my head was at um, during those nine days um, because it was all mental at that, at that point, because physically I was just not, I just wasn't strong enough to, to keep going. Um, so once I, once I got out and again, you know, I was given this very, I guess, rare opportunity to become a motivational speaker and to speak about, you know, this great topic that, you know, you know, I say perseverance because that to me was one of the greatest things that, you know, helped me kind of overcome these, you know, struggles and, and roadblocks and obstacles that clearly was trying to stop me. So becoming a motivational speaker and being able to talk to, you know, at this point, thousands and thousands of people and hundreds of, of groups was my way of reaching out. And to me, if I could just save one person, and I know that we hear that all the time, if we can just save one person, then it is well worth it. And to me, that's, that's what it was about, because I have met so many that have been struggling with PTSD, or, you know, they, the thought of suicide. And these don't even have to be veterans. I mean, I've met so many that that have, you know, walked up to me after I talked about this whole experience and what I went through. And, you know, they just look at me and they say, you know what, if you can go through what you did, then what I'm going through, you know, whether it was, you know, losing a parent or becoming financially unstable or, you know, because there's so many things that we all face every single day. And, and it's not just me, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> worldwide, we all face things. So yeah, I mean, these people would come up to me and they would just talk to me about, you know, what they kind of have learned to overcome because of what I talked about. So that's kind of why I do what I do and, and still continue to do it. And even being a teacher has allowed me to reach so many students who are, you know, struggling with homework or, you know, they don't want to go home because they're being abused or whatever. Um, I love just being in the classrooms and, and having that kind of opportunity to, to have, you know, kids come up to me and, and, you know, want to, to talk. Wow. That's a, that's awesome. And then the last thing before I hand it off, I just want because when you spoke about your, you know, the West Virginia story and uh, the, not inviting people over. So when a car comes up, like everybody wants to know what's happening. And then I just got in my brain when you're talking about being put in that building, how every sound, everything that wasn't quiet scared the crap out of you. Uh, and, and the link to those things, because you grew up with the, with, with quiet was comfort. And then when you were taken away, the absence of quiet was terror. Uh, and and, I, and I, I think the mental aspect, and they were able to overcome, you know, the, the combination of those two things, the 
comfort of quiet in the absence of quiet uh, is terror. Uh, is It's one of those things that isn't a movie moment, but to me, because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it, as you said those words, it's quite remarkable to me. Uh, so I, I, I'm a little bit in awe of even the smallest details of what you had to go through. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think, you know, because West Virginia is kind of more rural, we, you know, we're not a big city or anything. I mean, we do have bigger cities here in West Virginia, but just not where I kind of grew up. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, even as a kid, I kind of wanted to, I like to be alone, but I like to have people near me that I knew, you know, was, in the next room or <laughs> kind of like any other kid that, um, so yeah, when those noises or not noises, <laughs> um, weren't happening, it, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder what is happening in the outside. And, um, yeah, it was, it was scary. I mean, and I'll tell you a side story cause I know we got to kind of wrap up, but, um, so when they uh, took me down to the operating room to amputate the leg, the Iraqis, when the Iraqis took me down to the operating room, um, I remember them putting my body over onto the operating room uh, table. And I don't remember having any kind of IVs or anything like that, but I remember them putting the Ashton mask over my face and uh, one of the Iraqis who could speak a little bit of English, um, telling me to, to count. And at that point, I remember just being, again, scared, but crying and kind of begging and pleading for them to stop. So um, I don't know what kind of made them stop, but I remember them, you know, then stopping, putting me back over onto the bed. So anyway, so they, they put me back upstairs and at that point, I was even scared to be alone and not with those, uh, I guess, Iraqi guards that were kind of guarding me the whole time. Because even though they are supposed to be our enemies, they became kind of almost, you know, I, I guess just someone I kind of looked toward because I knew that they hadn't tried to hurt me. Um, so when they weren't around me, then that also scared me. So just, I guess, having them near me scared me, but having them not there also scared me. So it was kind of like a double, you know, edge of the sword that I didn't know, you know, do I want to be alone? Do I not want to be alone? Do I cry for help? Do I, you know, not cry for help? Like, what do I do? So every kind of, again, any kind of noises that I wasn't used to hearing, like even if it was just a car driving by outside, if I was in a, you know, in a location where I could hear that, that scared me because I didn't know, you know, what that car was doing or, you know, what was their attention. So it's just all those little things, like you said, it just, it, it kind of elevated that, that fear within me. We are over time, but I, I can't let you go without just one quick question. Like, what's it like being Jessica Lynch now? Can you go anywhere and just be Jessica from Palestine, West Virginia? Or are you the world famous, everyone's heard about you person? And, and when you're talking to people and you say, I'm Jessica Lynch, do you see like the light go on? Like, I know who that is. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So I just got back this weekend from Savannah, Georgia, um, kind of doing a music video out of all things. So I got to take part in that. So just flying back and just being down there, of course, I mean, everyone was like, wait, what was your name? <laughs> so I'd be like, Lynch. and they were like, oh, I remember that story. You know, I was such and such place. So I'm going, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it does happen. Um, not so much in my little hometown anymore, because, you know, these are people that I kind of grew up with. So, you know, they, they're used to seeing me out and about. And, uh, but yeah, when I, when I do still travel with, it is crazy that people still recognize the name. Yeah, it's, as soon as I saw the name this morning, I was like, holy crap, we actually got Jessica Lynch on the show. I was pretty, I was kind of amazed. I don't, still don't know how it happened. But I, I am as well. Like when I, when I saw it, I was like, the Jessica Lynch? And I, was, like, I had to go through all of like, I was like, wait a minute. And then it was like, how many other Jessica Lynch's do I know? I was like, well, the uh, story I remember from like my childhood and then additionally, like have done a report on you, Jessica. And I have definitely, yes, all of the above as a women veterans advocate, as a service member. Again, I do apologize for being emotional, but I'm not gonna apologize for being emotional because you're amazing. And all of that was real and raw for anyone who's watching the video because your story resonates, I think with so many of our listeners not necessarily to all levels of extreme, but there are these lessons of adversity that you are giving us and how, you know, we don't know how strong we are until strong is our only option. And, you know, despite all the things that happened to us, like, you know, some people call it fatal optimism, but I think it's just called being realistic with, with your situation in life and, you know, accepting it one day at a time and living your life fully and presently as possible. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, I know all of our listeners are going to be like, wait, the Jessica Lynch? We're like, yup, I can't wait to put that in the comments. I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I know I didn't get to really, you know, ask you a bunch of questions. I'm totally fangirling over here and all the, all the weirdest ways, but very emotional, well, but thank you. What was going to be awkward is if I was the one that was fangirling the whole time. So thank you, Ashley, for covering for <laughs> You're me. You're welcome. Because I, I didn't want to be the only one, like, kind of stunned silent by Jessica. So uh, once I came back home, I was given the opportunity to write a book just to talk about all of the experiences that I did encounter and it was mainly for me a way to be able to get everything off of my chest because I know so many veterans, they come home. Um, and I say veterans because it usually happens years after you get out of the military that you, you know, bottle everything up, you don't talk about it. So for me, it was a way to not only, you know, describe what I had gone through, but also to be able to get everything off my chest because during this time, I did not know that, you know, I would still be a motivational speaker 18 years later. So when this opportunity came about, you know, obviously I was going to take it um, because again, who would have thought 20 years later, almost 20 years later, that I would still have the opportunity to go around and be able to, to, to tell my side of the story. So, you know, yeah, so it's called... I Am A Soldier Too by Jessica Lynch. And this was released in 2003. I do have 
well, I guess I should say I will have, because you guys have not seen it yet. I will, uh, will be releasing another book come hopefully this fall, but it will be more on the aspect of kind of leadership, what I've experienced over, you know, you know, past 18 years of, of things that I have learned and, and have, um, or combined. So yeah, this is the first book that that was written. Again, we will have another one coming out. Um, and then, you know, one of the fun experiences that I got was about seven years ago, I was asked to take part in this movie called Virtuous. And I really didn't know too much about, you know, acting or who was going to be in it until I got on set and there was Eric Estrada. So being able to work with him and, you know, be able to tour with him afterwards, because there was uh, quite a few times that he would actually go with us, you know, to churches or schools or, you know, um, organizations would, would bring us in to kind of talk about the movie and the real life of how it uh, led so yeah, it was it was just a blast to be able to to kind of get to work with with an actual big movie star. And then I've actually went on and made quite a few other movies. And then, like I said, this past weekend I got to do a, a, a country music video. So once I get all of those details and once they have you know everything released, um, I'll I'll send it your guys' way. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, pull, I'm pulling you up on IMDb now because I, that was one of the few places I hadn't considered looking you up, but yeah, look at that. You were Mrs. Jill on the train and amazed by you. I don't know what any word in there means, but. <laughs> well, I'm curious that these books. Um, so when is the new one coming? Well, we're, we're kind of still working. On Are you it. writing it? Well, you're still writing it. Well, it's kind of already written. It's just going through the the kind of editing processes and getting everything. Um, and then, of course, it's just timing of, you know, when do we want to kind of release it? Um, so it's definitely not going to be a big book like this. It'll be kind of a smaller, more intimate, uh, getting to know who I really am, where this first book kind of really focuses on what happened to me in Iraq. So this one, the new one will be kind of a smaller, again, things that I have learned over the past 18 years and kind of, you know, little. Well, so little I, I ask for, I ask for selfish, not selfish for, for me, but selfish for my, my post. We have uh, a library that I'm trying to enhance. So I'm going to, I'm probably going to, probably going to beg for autographed versions of those books. <laughs> Be on the lookout for a, 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 a plea from Hollywood. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Jessica, you are amazing. I, I'm, I'm so glad you came on. You couldn't be a kinder person. And I kind of knew that coming in, but I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, thank you guys so much. Honestly, I, Appreciate it, but more importantly, I am honored to to take part in your show. So thank you for having me. 
All right, everybody. Well, that is it for this show. We will be back tomorrow with another 9-11 story. But Jessica Lynch, thank you so much. I have to say Jessica Lynch, like it's the full name. It's not just Jessica. <laughs> it's the brand. It's, it is. Jessica Lynch, thank you so much for joining us on our little tiny show here. And you are world famous and you should be world famous. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm.